Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 267, covering Before and After and Real Life with Terry Drozdak. <laughs> what? Did you do it wrong again? I don't know. I can't tell. But you, you just need to clap your hands. How, how far does <laughs> clapping your hands? Oh, my God. I Hi, friends. We're Hello, here. Tidro's here. and Is having that going real... in the episode? It should. Yes, yes. <laughs> having real trouble with the concept of clapping her hands. <laughs> Tidro, I've met you. You're an excellent hand clapper. Yes. You clap you, all day long. You attended two live performances of ours and clapped. I saw you. I clapped a lot, actually. You did. Uh, we, we appreciate that. The laughter, the claps. Uh, thank you to everyone, by the way, who showed up for our uh, our live post atomic horror show last week that you heard, and also yep. our live panel at the Emerald City Comic Con. It was a great success. Yep, one hundred percent pure success. So yep, got some to great pictures. Got some great pictures, which we will post links to on postatomichorror.com. Lots mm. of pictures of basically everyone who's currently on the show regularly, except for Irish Gav, who's way over in England. Yes. But it's all a, the rest uh, of us. It's, it's not the best excuse, but I suppose it's we have to pretty solid it. excuse. Nah, 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 but all, nah. all the rest of us posing in our in our Star Trek uniforms, which is which is great stuff. It's an anyway. Irish Gav-shaped hole, like where he would have disappeared if his parents had never met. Well... Fortunately, he does still exist. In fact, he'll be on the show next week. Ah. So there's that. Ooh. But this week, what, what's going on over there, Matt? Ah, I'm excited. Okay. Well, you should also be excited that Tidro's here. I am excited about that. Hello, Terrence. Hi, guys. How's it going? It's going great. How was your visit to Seattle? It was fantastic. I had an excellent time. Good. And then you had to come home and watch Voyager. I actually watched Voyager on the way home. Oh, so you did. I, I gave you copies of the episode to watch on the plane, and uh, so that that should probably helped you decompress from your, oh, now all the stimulus has stopped, and I gotta go home, and oh, God, look at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my reaction. I had a very full, I had a friend over for the entire week, so it's like, oh, that's over. Well, I guess I better start suffering. A price must be paid. Yeah, I was that's, like... Somewhere a monkey's paw, like, closes a finger. <laughs> I was I was like, okay, vacation's over. I guess I got to go back to work. That's fine. I guess I got to get get writing again. That's fine. Oh, got to watch Voyager. Vacation's really over. Yeah. Uh, so that said, yeah, I think we can all agree this first one was kind of garbage. Yeah. Uh huh. It, it was not my favorite episode. What is your favorite episode so far? Well, I don't know. I, it's hard to say. Okay. I mean, I just put you on the spot. I understand. Yes. Robot. Robot episode. Yeah, this is a pretty solid one. That's way up there just, for me as well. Just off the top of my head, robot episode. Okay, pretty solid one. Um, I I like the uh the the Death Wish Q episode actually quite a bit. Oh that yeah, that was good. Bad. Yeah, yeah. No, there've been a few good ones, mm-hmm. but um, but this one certainly not. Although that said, Memory Alpha specifically says this episode is commonly regarded as one of the best Voyager episodes. Well, then we're in real fucking trouble because. Our high points just got turned into low points. Yeah, yeah the whole thing got flipped. Mm-hmm. I don't get that at all. Right? I'll, I, the only source they had was a magazine that said the same thing. 
Okay. It's Ga- not like they quoted people saying that. Okay. Guys who are listening, please let us know what you think of before and after because we want to win a bet with a magazine that we're not familiar with the name of. Mm. Oh, no. It's it's like Star Trek Monthly. It's like the official Star Trek magazine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is no longer being printed. That's The official Star Trek magazine is like the Nintendo power of Star Trek. They like everything. Exactly. Here's a fucking three-issue uh, article on how great fucking Barkley is. Mm-hmm. Well, you you like Barkley, though. I liked Barkley. Well, that's fair. I wonder liked. if Scott liked this one. Oh, maybe. Well, Scott, it, write us in. I mean, it's got it's got, it's got got a noun and the word and and another noun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, before and after, time and again. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's basically the same thing. Yep. Well, he, he, has a, he has a type. Yeah. Unfortunately, we wanted, he was actually out here. We wanted to get him in the pictures with a t-shirt that said, I heart time and again. Yes. But uh, unfortunately, that, that didn't work out. Maybe mm-hmm. next year, Scott. Yeah. We're not going to let it go for another year, I'm sure. Yeah. So. All right. It was weird. Matt. He did show up with a Deadly game shirt. I can't imagine where that came from. No, no, no. That was Brian. No, I know. <laughs> Wait, you're out saying dead- that was everyone. Giving out Deadly game shirts to anyone who'd ask for one. Well, they were all under their seats, but fortunately, we forgot to tell anyone to check under their seats, so they're probably still there at the pocket. Good. All right, Matt. Why don't you tell us now about before and after? I don't know. Can we not like? Uh, can we not put that off for another ten minutes or so? I, I we've almost made it five minutes without. Oh, there we go. Five minutes. All right, we've gone five minutes. All right. It's the distant future of nine years from now, and old lady Kess is reaching the end of her life. And what a life! Married to Tom Paris, only the second worst guy on the ship. A daughter named Linus who is married to Harry Kim, because it's great when your daughter marries your best friend and also the bravest boy on the ship. Also, she has a grandson named Andrew, who I suspect is actually a doll reanimated by the soul of a suffocated child. Anyway, then Kess wakes up and she's younger. And it turns out she's jumping backwards through her life. She gets to see some of the other damn weirdness, like uh, Janeway being dead and a rich mahogany coffee table being made captain of the ship. Neelix being head of security instead of, you know, being put in jail. Also, the doctor has hair, which isn't as funny as you'd think. He actually doesn't look too bad. Eventually, Kess lives long enough for Janeway to be alive again, and then they can actually get some shit done. And the doctor sprays her with some kind of time cologne that stops her from jumping through time? Except it doesn't, because then she ages back to a baby, a sequence which involves her witnessing her own birth from inside her mother's vagina, which, trust me, I'm going to get to in a moment. And then everything works out okay, and I guess Cass has long hair now, and I don't care for it, so I guess that it's good that she's leaving in a couple of weeks. Spoilers, I guess? No, we've we've mentioned that enough that uh, <laughs> that's fine. Uh Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, One of the best episodes of the series, before and after. Yeah. The tale of Kess being aged backwards. This thing sucked a bucket. I. <laughs> is that a thing? It is now. Sucked a bucket. Look, it's getting right. harder and harder for me to think of ways to say how bad episodes of Voyager are. No, there was that time, actually it was a DS9 episode that you said was hot buttered garbage water. Yep, that was a good one. <laughs> it sucked a bucket might be up there, no. I'm actually pretty pleased with that. <laughs> as far as off-the-cuff ones go. Yeah. Uh, here, here it is. In Memory Alpha, under this episode, Reception and Aftermath. This episode is commonly regarded as being one of the best episodes of Star Trek Voyager. The official Star Trek Voyager magazine, issue 15. Mm-hmm. So, take oh, that uh, Also, Legend of Zelda, best Nintendo game, says Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. Uh, Tidro, did you manage to find something in this that was good? Um... 
yes, I liked um, that Kess understood what was going on really quickly and tried hard to fix it. So mm. that was excellent. Everyone else around her was an idiot, but she oh, yeah. did a really good job of trying to get it worked out. Well, let's be clear. Everyone else was an idiot because the two best scientists on the ship were dead for most of her life. Yeah, there's not. That's no. That's no coincidence. Suddenly, uh, Voyager can't seem to figure anything sciency out anymore. Yeah, because their two smart guys are both dead. That's yeah. when I realized, like midway through the episode, I'm like, oh, no wonder I don't like this episode. There's no, no Janeway and no Balana. Yeah, your two favorite guys are there. No wonder mm-hmm. you're bored. Yeah. yeah. There's um. We, we've talked about this before, and I give you a hard time uh, off the show, but really, for real, I like to talk about this just like rational people and not like I'm pulling your pigtails. You went into the show with a clear memory of not liking Kess, and as we near the end of her appearances, you don't remember why you didn't like her. Like, you, you're not finding reasons to support that now. No, I have no idea why I didn't like her. Yeah, and this was 20 years ago, and obviously <laughs> your opinions have changed, so that's cool. No. But um, it, it's it's interesting now to for me to see that this late in her run that she's actually your good thing. Like, that's good. That, mm. that means I, I can you recognize that mind. there's nothing to hate about her. Yeah. Well, yeah. some of us can. <laughs> Keeping an open mind about Cass. I, I really wasn't, though, going in. I was like, uh, Cass. But then I honestly can't figure out any reason to dislike her. No, I quite like Cass. Yeah. I'm going yeah. mi- to miss her when she's gone. I honestly, like, I to counterpoint your good thing here, like, it was good that they made her like the one solving the problem. That is good. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, though, I don't think she was super great at playing her at various ages. I think she was kind of okay, but like the the gold standard for this is Patrick Stewart, yeah, uh-huh. playing old Picard and younger Picard. You know, in All Good Things, it's not and really th- fair to compare those two actors if not, they're not gonna so much, give them no. the same story. Also, the other problem there is that uh, Patrick Stewart doesn't age. Uh, that's true too. Yeah. They put a beard like, on him. But. Yeah, they put a beard on him, but like they don't they didn't need to put old age makeup on him because Patrick Stewart is just an old man forever. Yeah, that is He true. was born an old man and he'll presumably die an old man. Maybe he's got that disease, who knows. Maybe he's Merlin like uh, going backwards, that, I don't know. That would be all right. I I had a note that Kess was Benjamin Button disease and then I realized I didn't actually know what that meant cuz mm-hmm. I've never seen that movie and don't actually know. Yeah. So, is that correct? Or- it's it, it, aging backwards, so technically, but it, she's more jumping yeah. backwards than aging backwards. I just, I didn't feel like she sold a lot of, like, it was very standard actor, like, TV actor, put on some old makeup, and I'll just do this voice now, mm-hmm. and just, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't really convinced she was old, I just looked like she was uncomfortable in makeup. Yeah, unfortunately, old age, doing old age makeup is still, like, the hardest thing in the world to do. It totally is. Unless you're that, uh, unless you're that dancing old man from the Six Flags commercials, that guy's makeup is impeccable. Isn't that just an old guy? I don't think so. Isn't that just Uncle Junior from The Sopranos? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I don't know what to think. <laughs> um, actually, I basically already said my bad thing, so I'm just going to jump to that. This was all good things. This was mm-hmm. the TNG finale, except they took out all the good things. Yep. Out of all good things. We've seen this plot, and this is something I've said a lot of a lot of times before. We've seen pieces of this plot like seven times before. Here's a fake future that ends up not coming true. We've seen that before. People living their life out of sequence in time. We've seen that happen before. Like, it's all crap we've seen, and it all just happened because of some stupid paradox, as Matt said, time cologne, which, mm-hmm. I don't know, sure, whatever. 
That was as good. No, an no, no. The time, no, the time cologne is what cured her. Oh, of course. What happened was a time bomb went off. Not a time bomb, like you would see in, you know, Die Hard or something, but a time bomb, like a bomb that gives off time. It infected Kess with time that then nestled in her, in her, her Ocampa body until she was reaching the end of her life. And then it caused her to age backwards, but not age backwards, jump through time backwards. And all oh, of see, this is completely explained by real science that exists. Matt lied. <laughs> I think well, you just kept... you have a you have a better grasp of this episode than the people that actually wrote it. Mm. They they did keep talking about memory engrams, which I don't think are an actual thing. No, no, that's the that's the scientific term for the uh, the actual computer files that all people keep memories on in their brains. Oh, of course. See, I thought part of what caused her de aging or, or jumping through time or whatever was uh, the doctor's cure for her short lifespan that Mm -hmm. involved time particles or whatever that then caused the... Like, I thought it was a paradox thing where trying to make things better made it worse. I I like the idea that the the plan to keep her from dying in the series and keeping her on the series (laughs) is what aged her out of it. Yep. And then they just booted her off the series instead. (laughs) Well, you read a, a very unsettling fact about that. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about this. So we were ta- we were wondering at this point, like whether like how if they knew uh, Kess wasn't coming back for season three, and it's only a couple episodes until or until season four, and it's only a couple episodes until season four. So presumably they must have known. Uh, no, they were pl- they knew at this point that seven hundred nine was going to come on the show because they needed something to boost the rate. They needed a pair of boobs to boost the ratings. Mm-hmm. Um. The plan was going to be that they were going to boot uh, Garrett Wang. Mm-hmm. Wong? I don't know. They were going to boot Wong, They were going to boot Harry. Uh, unfortunately for Kess, um, then Gary... Uh, Gary? Gary Wang. Gary uh, Gary Whim was... You guys are uh, never going get to get to Dragon Con at this point. Nah, no. Unfortunately, uh, then Garrett Wang appeared in a People Magazine cutest people in the world uh, article. <laughs> <laughs> And suddenly, uh, for some reason, uh, they decided that Kess should be fired instead. So now let's, let's stop and a contemplate. Lot, People's magazine, People magazine. Who, who among us thought that in 1997? Hmm. I, I don't know what you're no. talking about. Was it was it you, Matt? It certainly wasn't me. I was in high school and therefore did not care for boys. Well, then, who among the three of us would would uh, best represent the group of people responsible? Hmm. I don't know. I, am, I cannot be held personally responsible for the firing of Kess. No, but of the three of us, someone like, you're definitely needs the to most a... responsible of the three of us. Just yeah. as <laughs> Al is the most responsible of us for Robin dying. Yeah, I totally called that nine hundred number to uh, vote for Robin to be killed. And I am most That's responsible for nothing. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's unfortunate, because Harry kind of sucks. Yeah, he kind of does, and I like Kess a lot. I don't like her a lot, but I like her. I mean, on a show I want to like her a lot. A show with a lot of characters that I really like and a lot of characters I really don't care for, like... Oh, that's fair. You know? I mean, she's what? no Janeway or Balana or the Doctor, but I like her, you know? They, she's after they, those guys. They've just finally pried her away from Neelix, and like, okay, good. Now, mm-hmm. That's a good start. Now now what? Oh, mm-hmm. now nothing. No, she's free now. Yeah, free to leave the show. Yeah. So, okay, Tidra, we talked about how you don't hate her like you remember. Do you actually like her? I wouldn't say I like her. Okay. I, I don't... I There's just something about the character that's kind of a nothing. Like, it's just a nothing character. 
Well, that's mm. been that's been Flonk's point is that she's just she doesn't do anything. She, when they let her do stuff, she does it. It's just when she it just doesn't. I don't know. It, I would say she is a good doer of stuff, but the, I, you know they just don't give her the stuff to do. I think she's in the same place that Counselor Troy was, which is there's a lot of potential here that in the right hands is good, but usually it's not in the right hands. Yeah, you I'd can't see that. me because this is a podcast, but I'm nodding my head. Mm. Yes. That, if that happens, Tidra, you have to go nod, nod, nod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good deal. Okay. Um, now, nod, that, now nod to show that you, that you understand and agree with me. Nod, nod, nod. Thank uh, you. Excellent. Very good. Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, ah, yes. So, Kess ages backwards into a baby and then is mm-hmm. aware of being removed from her own mother's vagina. Well, hang on. Do we think vagina, or it was kind of like at, at the time I wrote this. I, her at the time I wrote this, I thought she was being birthed the the normal way. I don't know what the deal is back there. Okampas okay. have a birth sack on their back. Yeah, uh-huh. we we think it was like the butt and like the higher butt too. I am still going to argue that being uh, that being aware of your own birth is. Oh no no no! I don't want to take away from your actual point, which totally stands. Mm-hmm. I just want to correct this whole vagina thing. That's mm. all. Uh Incidentally, I'm sorry, uh, I thought we were doing bad thing, disgustingly creepy thing. Uh, I don't have a good thing for this episode. (laughs) That's fair. No, there was, it it, it put me in mind of the movie The Butterfly Effect, because there's a point where he actually goes back to being in the womb at one Mm -hmm. point. And uh, I I won't spoil it, because it's actually, I I think, a pretty decent time travel movie. Yeah. But, um. That's the uh, Ashton Kutcher movie? Yeah, which, it's it's like. No, I liked it too. Yeah. There's there's some alternate stuff that I like really disturbed me actually. Yeah. But uh I the, the bit where he goes back to the womb is is a big spoiler so I won't. Uh, yeah, no, seek out the butterfly effect. It's a weirdly good movie. Yeah. It put me in mind of that, but then it's just then she was just born again. It's like, <laughs> "Oh, wait. So now because there's no further place to flash back to, is she just going to be born for a few minutes and then flash back over and over again into eternity?" Not at all. She's going to flash back to being a zygote. Oh. And then I don't. I guess a sperm traveling towards an egg. Like, how far back does this go? Yeah, she's gonna live in her own father's testicles. Like, what? Yeah. And then before that, like the component nutrients that maybe the food that he ate that ended up getting processed into the the proteins that turned into the sperm. That you know, eventually making it all the way back to the star stuff that Carl Sagan tells us we're all made of. <laughs> I saw a good thing on Tumblr or something, or is is a. Yeah, garbage is made of star stuff, too. Don't get too excited about that. We are all made of star stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's Thanks, my Matt Gorley's uh, Carl Sagan impression. Yeah, it's Kermit the Frog. Mm. We are made of star stuff. No, I can do a better Kermit the Frog than that. Yeah, I know. You're better at that voice than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, Brian. Uh, Brian drew us this fantastic thing, by the way. I should I should make mention of that. Yes, he did. It's great. And I'll put that on our Tumblr as well. Uh, just the cartoon renditions of all the regulars on the show, and it's really great work. But uh, I realized there's a bit of a Burt and Ernie thing going on there. I was like, oh, great, I'm Burt. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, sorry, but uh, yeah. I, I, I knew that a long time ago, actually. <laughs> it's a hard thing to know that you're Burt. I know. I don't even like pigeons. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you well, feel about bottle caps? Not not very good. Paperclips? <laughs> Socks. No. Uh, what he's else got go- a lot of interests, does Bert. Oh, yeah. No, he's got a very, like, you know, he, he gets up to a lot. You wouldn't think it. He is the Renaissance man of dull men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. My Ter- good and Terrence, not to show that you agree with us. Yeah. Not, not, not. <laughs> You're that owl that uh, that Ernie moved in with after Ernie and Bert stopped living together. 
<laughs> you are not what they seem. <laughs> My good thing. Yes. Um. Okay. So I know having seen a little bit ahead, like I've seen, I, I checked in uh, with a handful of episodes here and there, like throughout the series. I know there is a two-parter called Year of Hell. It's actually long-time listeners will remember this is kind of a complaint of mine, and we'll get there when we get back to that episode. Sure. But they hint at that episode happening, which is like mid-season four uh, in, in Kess's uh, future stuff. And it's cool. They're actually foreshadowing stuff that's going to actually happen in the future instead of just every time they do a skipping ahead, like when Riker had his fake future or when Picard was jumping through time. Like, it's always like, that's one possible future. It's probably not going to happen. And this time it was actually like they had thought so far ahead that they mm. knew what was going to happen in 10 episodes. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's not going to happen the way Cass sees it because she won't no, be there it, for it. But it turns out that the stuff she does in this episode, Seven of Nine actually ends up doing. Oh, cool. But the rest of the events unfold the same way, mm. which is cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that they they actually seem to have a plan. It's a shitty plan, <laughs> but it's a plan. I, I actually I want to mention, too, I really like uh, when Janeway finds out that Kess has been, like, in the future. Mm -hmm. Instead of being, all, like, there's a moment at the end of the episode where they're, like, they're talking about, well, what should, what should uh, you know, should you tell us about what you saw? And Janeway's like, no, you tell me exactly what you saw. <laughs> tell yeah. me about the people who killed me. I, I got to watch out for that shit. Yeah, what what panel is it that explodes? I'm gonna stand way clear of that. Is this like dick. a temporal prime directive thing that they're not? I was sure is. I was just gonna say, suck a dick. Temporal time di prime directive. Yep, there definitely is such a thing, and they just like. Fucking, I think at this point she's just like, fuck it. No, who, who's gonna who's gonna yell at me? Fucking Dolmer and Luxley. Oh yeah, those guys. Yeah. Um. Let's see, Tidro, What was your bad thing? Um, Harry with Kess's daughter is so, so creepy and gross. Uh -huh. Yep. Uh -huh. It's, yep. so Kess has her daughter, uh, Linus, apparently. Linus, yeah, Linus. With Tom Linus. Paris. With Tom Paris, like, what, what, she's like four when she does this? Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Okay, yeah. so. We were trying to suss out the timeline. Yeah, so, so maybe the daughter is three or four by the time yep. she has a kid with, um, Harry? Harold? Yeah, Harold? That's so gross. I agree, yeah. but more than that, I think it's fucking weird that uh, Harry hooked up with Paris's daughter. Yeah. Like... His father-in-law is Tom Paris. Like, what? Ew. Yeah, there's so much gross there that on is, so many levels. That is so friend incesty. Well, I I don't have the friend incest problem that you and, and Amanda and others seem to have. It's like, I, weird. Tidra, you had groups of friends that ended up dating each other, oh, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's 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 more normal. They don't date each other, anyone ever, and I th I find that weird. No, we had like a say we we had a, we had a saying about that back in the day called "You don't shit where you eat." No, uh, okay. This is but, more like you know if you started dating one of your um, mom's friends. Yeah, that's but, more accurate. But on the other hand, this is a ship with less than two hundred people on it where gay people don't exist, so all the men and women have to pair up or be alone. So your options are seriously limited. This no, well, is just Harry Tom Paris. The sisters. Yeah, this is just that's Tom Paris making sure that Harry has to be his best friend forever. I guess that's true. Yeah. Also, he's got some authority over him forever. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, I'm lots of you. Yeah, he's just never he getting away. Yeah. Oh, but here. on top of that, yeah, uh, just... Ah. Yeah. Can we also I mean, okay, when we get to the end of Kessa's life, she's she's 9 years old, right? Yes. And we know she's 3 now. So mm -hmm. we're only 6 years into the future. That's not very long. No. But Harry's already got gray hair. 
Like he had a gray streak in his hair. Right. He's gray hairy. Yeah. In, in six years. <laughs> yeah. So he's 30 years old. Well. Um, no, you, you got some salt and pepper happening, but you don't have a big skunk streak. No, that's true. I just, it, I don't know. They, they really kind of played fast and loose with, it's far in the future and Kess has a short life. Well, which is it? Yeah, like, make up your minds. No! Yeah. We but, don't have to. We're Star Trek. But to, to your original point, Tidro, yes, it is super creepy. Mm-hmm. Are, are you ready to back off of Harry Kim yet? It, that, that's not going to actually happen. That's an alternate timeline. Oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, he would do it. If if faced with the choice, he would do it. How, did you see her? She's really hot. She is really hot. I, 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 all right. Okay. How's it going, Linus? <laughs> okay, speaking of, of attractive or not attractive, let, mm. let's talk about Kess's new hair, which Matt apparently is not a fan of. Nope. She looks like Drew Barrymore. I, I like Drew Barrymore. I like Drew Barrymore, too. I just don't like Kess Drew Barrymore. Okay. I Tidra, like, you seem to like it. I like the long hair significantly better than her pixie cut. Mm. Like, a lot. I, pre- I prefer the pixie cut, but I think the long hair works on her, too. It does yeah. make her look like... I never realized how much she looked like Drew Barrymore until then. And yep. Mid-90s Drew Barrymore, pretty damn cute. So... Yep. That's okay. You, you can do worse. I mean, now Drew Barrymore is pretty all right. Yeah. The uh, the longer hair just makes her look more womanly, like she's an mm. actual woman and not a child. Yep, and that's fair. that just makes the whole Neelix thing extra creepy. Extra, yep. extra, like so much creepy. Yeah, he you sure was say, dating a child. You, you can just say Neelix. You don't have to call him the Neelix thing. Uh. <laughs> no, that's, that's about right. The Neelix thing. Uh, let the, that takes us nicely to your bad thing, Matt. Oh, yeah. How dare, how dare they put Neelix in a Starfleet uniform and in charge of security? This drug-dealing, garbage-picking, kidly-fiddling bar rodent. How dare you? <laughs> All that, and, and they promoted Neelix to head of security. By the way, uh, on an unrelated topic, Harry Kim, still an ensign nine years later. Yep. <laughs> it's uh okay so so at some point like and we actually end up seeing it happen eventually uh the captain and Bellana both die mm-hmm. so uh, they all move up in rank like yep. chuck becomes captain and then tuvok <laughs> becomes his first officer yep and then they just replace tuvok with neelix yeah what i guess no one else on the ship was qualified enough to do tuvok's job except neelix the man who doesn't have a job in starfleet doesn't tuvok have a team of guys doesn't he have like a, a second command and like a whole security team he has he totally has a team we see them all the time yeah there should be like 10 or 12 security guys and surely one of them is qualified to to fill in if tuvok is is promoted or gets killed or whatever we've seen tuvok's training regimen like these guys are supposed to be like pretty hardcore yeah, yeah. and yet the bar rodent is put in charge. Yeah. I think we were all pretty, like, smacked I, in the face. I was that. watching this with Mal and my friend Mark the other night, and as soon as he shows up in that uniform, all three of us just say it simultaneously go, what the hell? Yeah, I tweeted something vague about it, and, and your wife Mal actually DM'd me because I don't think she wanted to spoil it for the rest of Twitter. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> it's, how, how dare you? I think is th- this is how you want to remember uh, Captain Janeway and Bellana. Well, the only thing standing in the way of his eventual promotion was Janeway. Now that she's out of the way. Now I move up in rank. Yeah. Ugh. It's I know what they were going for. It was when we had uh, Future Imperfect, which was the Riker uh, is in a fake future with that lonely kid 
Aw, the lonely kid, yeah. You know the one I'm talking about. I do. Fucking Jean-Luc Jr. <laughs> Jean-Ju. <laughs> Um, and like you, you step on the bridge and you see Worf in a red uniform and you see a Ferengi ensign and immediately visually, you know, whoa, it's Something's the off here. Yeah. They did, they did the same thing with the doctor's hair. Yeah. And they did the same thing in, um, uh, Worf jumps to different realities where people are in different uniforms yeah. with slightly different hair, different Wesley, Wesley is here for some reason. Yeah. So like I get the immediate visual impact of seeing, oh, Neelix is in uniform. Something's different, but ugh. Yeah, no, don't do it. Don't, no, 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 no. Deidre, where, where do you weigh in on this whole Neelix thing? Like, we've, we, I think we've made our opinions pretty clear, but maybe, maybe you like him? I don't know. You like I, Harry Kim, so who knows? I do not like Neelix. I do not hate him with the passion of, you know, a thousand white hot fiery suns like you guys do. But okay. he, he is, he is also on the bottom of my list of characters. Mm. At the very bottom? I don't think there's anyone I dislike more. So yeah, he he'd be on yeah. the bottom. Okay. Yeah. Just just want to be sure. Like mm-hmm. I I like to get like Matt and I kind of are mostly on the same page with most of this stuff and I like when we have other people in to, to get them to weigh in, see if maybe other people think differently, but I think we're all pretty much united in our Neelix. Yeah. We're looking for a Neelix defender. <laughs> I, I, it's not that I'm looking for one, but I'd love to hear from a, a rational person that I respect be able to defend him, and I haven't heard that yet. No. If you're a rational person, please write us a letter about why Neelix is good. Uh, okay, sure. See, Tom Paris... Be, it's, a, it's a good discussion point for the supplemental. That's fair. Tom Paris used to be at the bottom of my list, but they keep um, trying to fix him bit by bit. Yeah, no, so they're actively fixing him, so... Yeah, he's, Matt, he's you, sliding up. Mm-hmm. Matt, would you agree this season that... Tom Paris has moved from terrible to at least kind of neutral. Now, this is definitely the redemption of Tom Paris from being a gross yeah. creep. I would probably still refer to him as a gross creep because it's funnier than uh, oh sure a redeemed gross creep. But uh, but it, we're, we're like I don't like him yet. But he's gone from a one, like a zero or a one to like a five. Like yeah. now he's in the middle, and I don't I have no opinion really, and I'm waiting to see for him to get a little better. Yeah, he, I actually like him better than Harry at this point. Uh, wow. No, he was. Um, Tom was super, super sweet with Kess in this episode. It was mm-hmm. kind of adorable. Yeah, yeah when they show them together, it's kind of a believable relationship. Yeah. Especially now that she's an adult. I- exactly. Yeah. Adult. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird. And actually, in the next episode as well, they, they start advancing his... Uh, they, they hint at it here, because mm. in, in the fake future, he's dating uh, Bellana. Yes. But uh, in the next episode, they, their flirtation kind of moves up a notch, and mm-hmm. uh, it's not so bad. I don't, like, I'm starting to not hate him. Yeah. Now, Good for of my you. List Good work, Tom Paris. Yeah. You I'll, overcame staggering adversity. Mo- moving up the charts with a bullet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neelix is still at the bottom for me, followed by Chuck. Yep. And, um... Harry. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Harry's... Uh, just... Just do something, Harry. Come on. <laughs> and I'm a special boy with a great destiny! Ugh. I'm a those, tiny boy! And those girls weren't pretty enough. I'm a little boy! <laughs> Oh boy! All right, what a, uh, Tom, Harry Kim, great baby, <laughs> just an exceptional baby. <laughs> this is the best baby. <laughs> uh, do we have anything else? You, you want to hear my quote? One? I just have oh, one sorry. note that says, "Oh yes." yes. Please. Um, if a compens hair grows at excel- an accelerated rate as well as they're aging, then then I'm kind of jealous. Well, she did grow all the hair in one episode, so yeah. yeah. 
I don't know what you're talking about, sir. My hair grows. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, our, our friend Caitlin Obum, who does some wor- voice work for us in our uh, Sarcastic Voyage stuff, does a, a killer Kess. And I just keep looking for an excuse to get her to do it for us because it's so like you don't realize Kess has a voice you can do. Mm. And then she does it like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's hard to write a, you know, a cast scene for a, a sketch show. Mm, yeah, that's true. To to give people enough context to know who the fuck that is. Yeah, well, you have any, to like, put Neelix in it. Well, that too. The hell I would. <laughs> oh. Oh, and, and uh, we also had one of her last flashbacks. We were back in the pilot for, what, the eighth time now? I feel like the pilot is, like, the busiest part of Voyager at this point. It's like, just crawling with time travelers and people flashing back. And I keep expecting to see, like, Back to the Future 2, Marty McFly running by in the background. Yeah. Right. Ooh la la! <laughs> All right, Matt, you got a quote? Uh, probably. Yes, I have a quote. What is your quote? Uh... Uh, this is Kate just flat out lying. In all my years in Starfleet, I've never come across a phenomenon quite like this. I don't know that she's lying. I've never, in all my years of being in Starfleet, I've never heard of something that's happened on all of the Starship, uh, all Star Treks. Well, okay. Maybe, and, I don't know, maybe all that stuff's classified or maybe it ended up not happening. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Any, you, any other thoughts? I just, my, my, my point is basically that you, you can't draw attention to the fact that you know, this has never happened before when it has. Yeah, many, many times. Many times. Yeah. When I'm watching the episode going, oh, this again? Yeah. Uh, anything else, Tidro? Anything? Nope. All right. Let's then press forward to an episode that we didn't completely hate. Real life. Okay. That, that's you. The doctor, Kenneth, has created a super ste- creepy stepford family. Belana actually mentions a thing that happened in a previous episode when she comes to do a once-over of the doctor's programming. He invites Kess and Belana to come to dinner to meet his perfect, perfect family. Belana freaks the hell out and then offers to help make his family more realistic. By this, she means giving his wife a job, his son Jeffrey some Klingon friends, and his daughter, Belle, I don't know, she's just a regular little girl who wants to play Parisi Squares with the big kids. Kenneth tries to fix his home life with a family meeting, which goes poorly. But Belle still loves him. Aww. Eventually, he tells his Klingon wannabe son, If you can't live by my human rules under my human roof, you can leave. So Jeffrey does. And then Belle gets in a sports accident, and despite all Kenneth's medical knowledge, she is going to die. Oh my god, I can't handle this show, and neither can the doctor. He shuts off the program. Uh, meanwhile, Kate has joined a meetup group for alien scientists, but when she gets to the coffee shop, uh, I mean space station, she's found it's been destroyed by astral eddies. They decide to chase them to harvest some of their, their sweet, sweet plasma. Tom Paris goes off with a bucket to get some and almost dies. Nothing comes of any of this. Also, Tom hits on Bellana and it's almost not creepy. Okay, back to the doctor. Tom, of all people, has a heart-to-heart with him about how the family comes with good times and bad, and that he should go back to get some closure or something. So he goes back, and the whole family gathers around to watch Belle die. I'm not crying. Oh, you absolutely were. I did. I did, Mm -hmm. too. I could see it in your notes. (laughs) And you didn't type the words, I'm crying, but I could see it. I'm surprised that Matt cried, actually, because he hates children. I do hate children, but, you know. I did not cry. I found it a little emotionally manipulative when she said things like, so cold and can't feel my legs. I'm going to say it is. It absolutely is emotionally manipulative, but it's done really. You know what? This is my good thing. So let's just roll into this. Like, 
the whole Doctor subplot is really good. It shouldn't yeah. be. It like this is the very definition of doesn't matter. It's a fake man with a fake family in a box. <laughs> but like like it's like the dude's playing the the Sims, but it's so good. That ending is really yeah. devastating, but the whole scene with the uh, DJ Doctor Junior uh, and his Klingon friends is really good. Like, I like this whole the whole scene where he comes home and, like, the, the Klingon kids are there and he's like, you're holding a knife, give me the knife. This is actually for a Klingon ritual that involves, uh, by the way, going out into the street and stabbing a random person to get yourself some honor. Uh-huh. It's a, like, it's a really well done scene. No, like, it's... The, the whole the thing whole, just works really well. Yeah, the whole main plot is, I think we all agree, pretty, pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And... We've said this before. We don't need the big sci-fi stuff are always big stakes. Sometimes if you do a quiet character thing where it's like it's about a character and we're learning about the doctor and we're watching him learn what it means to be human, that's mm-hmm. that's fine. It's like when Data dated somebody. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a big danger thing. It's just let's see them try to be human. No, and I like I like the doctor trying to treat the family like like um just like something that can be fixed. Like he goes yeah. into it with like, "Okay, I've made a chart." And if we all do this thing, perfect family. And then being very shocked when that doesn't work for some reason. It, it reminded me of when Alexander showed up on the Enterprise the first time. Mm-hmm. And we made jokes about this at the time because it was great. Orf had one talk with Deanna and then figured, oh, I got this fatherhood thing licked. This is easy. This is great. Yeah, he had and that then conversation it, with Deanna and then he went out and bought his, his world's greatest dad cup. Yeah. And then everything went horribly wrong. And he's like, but how could this happen? I... I had a good talk with the counselor. Everything's fine now. How could this happen to the world's greatest dad? I got the cup. Cup does not lie. Yes, cup. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty interesting. I thought. Yeah. No. Um, really uh, Tidro, good. I, I have a I have a couple of uh, questions. Okay. First of all, uh, Paris collecting things with a bucket is that the same bucket that the previous episode sucked? Uh, it may have been. I was thinking okay. about that my own self. Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned his human roof. So is the roof made of skin? <laughs> no, it's just it's just a bunch of of humans who have been like you know melded together. It's all the ones he alive? couldn't save. Yes, his oh. roof is an abomination, Al. Oh, so he's recycling dead patients. It's no, they're alive. They're s- him. Every morning, the family is woken up by their screaming. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> well, no wonder the kid wants to be a Klingon. Mm-hmm. So that's that's all right. He wants to kill the roof because there's honor in it. <laughs> let's let's talk about that whole. Okay, so we've mentioned this before. This was an episode. If you hadn't seen it before, I know you were aware of it. Mm. Matt. Yes, and you. We've talked about it briefly on the show, and now that mm. I've seen it play out, on the one hand, I kind of like Klingon culture being a thing that lame white human kids would appropriate. I, on to- the other. I totally see like lame Star Trek white like kids living on Earth who are all like, "Yeah, man, Klingons." Yeah, but on the other hand, it felt like a real transparent, like, white kids listening to hip-hop is dangerous kind of thing. And it yeah. felt a bit racist, not full-on racist, but racist adjacent. Yeah, like, I didn't notice it until you pointed it out, and then it's like, oh, yeah, that's not great. Because as the audience, we're expected to think, yeah, this kid's into some dangerous stuff, and this other culture is is corrupting him because he should be a good kid and go to school. And mm-hmm. like, oh, that's not a good way to feel. Mm-mm, no. I want the doctor also, to go talk no. to Bellana and tell complain about um, his kids' um, Klingon friends to her. Oh yeah, and her to just freak out like, "What is wrong with you?" Yeah. <laughs> the thing I, just, is, I just thought your son could use some friends. <laughs> the the thing is, I I thought 
like, I don't know. I had come because I do like it in a way. And you're right. And the scene with him telling, like, finding the knife and saying, no, you don't stab people. That's mm-hmm. that's not what we do. It's what Klingons do. It's a part of their culture. Yeah, you're not Klingon. I'm sorry, but if this was Kronos, fine. You could go out and stab whoever you want. But we live on Earth. No <laughs> yeah. one, people, no one has been cut in 200 years. Like, yeah. We don't even, like, ban- the Band-Aid company went out of business. Yeah. Because we, we cured cuts. We yeah. cured boo-boos. Well, then where'd they get that one at the end of when the Bella's dying from her tiny, tiny head? Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because how could you tell she's sick if she doesn't have a Band-Aid on her head? A tiny Band-Aid. Ugh. A t- an itty-bitty Band-Aid. Right. But, I mean, oh, like I, like I said, mixed feelings. I, some of it felt a little dumb and I actually my bad thing specifically is the doctor straight up says you can't be friends with Klingons he's, he's just a racist dad that's very racist yeah it, it was it uncomfortable to me yeah yeah but it was also kind of realistic mm-hmm. it worked really well yeah we knew dads like that maybe we had dads like that well I mean the, the other thing is like again this is very much him looking at statistics well Klingons statistically are violent so don't yeah, be but- near them he is a hologram representation of a human, but he serves on a ship that is not all humans. Like, he can't be just human-centric, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? The, he he deals with a half-Klingon on a regular basis, as well as, like, a Vulcan mm-hmm. and whatever the fuck Neelix is, a Talaxian. And, like, he shouldn't be so human-centric as well. No, I completely agree, but, you know. Star Trek is completely human-centric. I know. Just, just and completely. Al, I don't know if they... you know this or not, but the human adventure is just beginning. Oh, uh. <laughs> Please keep your hands inside the car during the human adventure. <laughs> I don't no, think they it, understand how important representation is. That, well, that's it. And also the thing is, like, if you're going to overtly say humans equal white people, then suddenly mm-hmm. all that humans are great stuff comes off a little oogie. It always kind of has. Yeah, it, a little bit. But we can kind of ignore it because we're humans. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But when the show specifically says, yeah, but humans are actually just like normal white people and aliens are non-white people, then it suddenly turns into like, oh, that's not Mm -hmm. great. Yeah. That's bad. So I I think you may have found a a big flaw in Star Trek there, Al. Well, (laughs) we've been shipping. We've been shipping away at it for a long time. Uh It just kind of smacked me in the face when they made it a little more overt Mm -hmm. is all. That's also, oh. I started watching the new season of uh, Kimmy Schmidt, and there's <laughs> what they did last year with the uh, Native American stuff. They have doubled down on. Yep. So there's a little. I'm still dealing with a little white guilt there. So, <laughs> so you don't like racism, do you? Guess what? Here's twice the racism. Oh, good. That's that's going to look real good in that uh, article <laughs> I tried to ignore about Tina Fey being racist. So yeah, thanks for that. Not not great. Anyway. All that said, I did overall, like I said, it was mixed feelings. I didn't straight up hate it or straight up love it. I, I had mixed feelings, but the rest of it was fantastic. In fact, my good thing specifically was the very beginning that, that as Tidro said in her summary, the Stepford family, mm-hmm. how I just love how f- wooden 50s sitcom-y they were in the oh, teaser and in, in the opening bit. Yeah. The kids were pretty good, but the wife just like, she was this crazy over the top June Cleaver, like, yes, dear, whatever you say. And mm-hmm. it's just like. When we've said it a million times, if this show wants to be campy, it needs to embrace that and go nuts. And this was a glimmer of that. Yeah. This was not pulling their punches. This was, wow, okay, they're going for this. This is not realistic in any way. This is just stupid. I love it. Mm-hmm. And she was great. And she was great at turning on a dime because when we come to the new version of it, she's 
completely different, but still the same person. Still awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, she does a great job in this episode. Yeah. And, and she play and she can do the whole my kid is dying thing too at the end. Like Well, Tidro, you pointed out there was something in Memory Alpha about the the way they, they switched gears. Yeah, Picardo said in, in in an article had said he loved that in the beginning it's like a fifties sitcom and then it switches to an, a nineties sitcom where everybody hates the dad. Right. And then it switches to like a serious medical drama. Yep. And that I think is what got me because it started out so campy and fun and then, you know, slid into um daughter dying territory mm-hmm. right i was not expecting well, that's, that that's kind of your good thing isn't it? it it is um if you can call an emotional sucker punch a good thing yeah that yeah <laughs> i mean that's that's good when star trek makes you feel stuff it usually sneaks up on you yes yeah i do not generally cry at star trek episodes but no. there have been a couple they're flute solo for me oh yeah but hey, uh, yeah, yeah. D- data's daughter mm-hmm. yeah that one got me Lately, uh, lately, the only things that uh, Star Trek has made me feel is boredom and annoyance. But well, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm 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 trying to think back. There's um, Sarek, the, the Sarek episode. Sarek, that that got you more than me. But mm. uh, well, as my grandfather was actively dying when that episode when we watched and that episode, suffering from dementia. As yeah, well. so, uh-huh. understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oh, the uh, uh, Jake time bouncing to his dead dad. Oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. a good Tony the, Todd the, vis- the visitor. Yeah, that's or the one. The visit, one of the two. No, it's the visitor. Okay. Um, and I, I feel like there were one or two other uh, DS9s as well. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it, it, occasionally it does. But Voyager has not to this point. It still didn't for me, but you yeah. guys totally I think Tuvix actually got me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, that I, was, I agree with that. I didn't I didn't actually cry, but I, it, it made me feel some stuff. That, made, that episode made me feel angry. Like, Yeah. Yeah, that might actually be my favorite episode. That's a really strong contender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's way the hell up there. Yeah. Good choice. That was your first appearance on this show as well. Oh yeah, that's so weird how that how, how that is. I well, it was by accident, I think. But. Well, I was surprised oh, yeah. that no one had grabbed it. So mm. ah, there you go. I grabbed it. Uh, and and you did good. Actually, initially you were supposed to be on last week's episode <laughs> last week's because all we really knew was you wanted to be on a Harry Kim episode. Mm. I'm really like, glad well, I didn't do that one. <laughs> fa- favorite son. There we go. There's that's got to be a Harry episode. I- I'd have had a hard time. Yeah. In, in front of people. No, I watched Harry. that with you. You were here yeah. visiting. We watched it together. Yeah. We laughed. We thought it was garbage. It, it was <laughs> no, not. No, we didn't laugh. It's not good. No. Um, let's see. Matt, what was your bad thing? Ah, uh, listen. Bolana, <laughs> we, we, we got to talk. This, this whole thing seems n- needlessly cruel. Like, you dumped the doctor up from easy mode to that to that level in doom where it's the the difficulty level is represented by a picture of the doom guy with his eyes on fire and his teeth clenched <laughs> the guy the guy has had a family for six seconds he is not ready for children <laughs> my children are dying yeah one one kid is leaving because his dad doesn't agree with his uh, friend choices and then the other one just dies. I mean, you know, part of that might be, hey, let's maybe start the whole family thing at the beginning of the family instead of, you know, <laughs> somewhere in the middle. I don't know. I feel like the doctor can adjust his, like, like I bet the hologram thing comes with built-in memories. You mm. know what I mean? Like, he could start in the middle. A human couldn't, but he mm. could. Okay. Yeah, but that doesn't really guy. change the fact that Bolana is a freaking sadist. Oh, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Like there, she she totally turned the difficulty level up from zero to over ten. Uh huh. 
Like, that is that is not good. <laughs> she must have had a horrible family life. Like, she was, she freaked out so much when he, she oh, saw man. his, like, perfect family idea of what a perfect so family was. So angry. Like, God, her family life must have been horrible. Well, or just normal. Well, I mean, look, I I get that. Like, look, I was a yeah. little put off by how fucking Leave it to Beaver it was, too. Like, when she's just like, okay, I can't stand this. I'm going to get diabetes. I'm like, yeah, I'm right there with you. But to go from that to, like, you know, active children death, like, maybe, well, I, maybe ooh, put her doctor. What's that? I know what it is. It's it's her punishment for um, him fooling with his program enough that it made him be a murderer. Oh, good point. Yeah, no, that's fair. And she I, actually but, brought that up in the episode. Like, she, she did. actually and mentioned it. What's weird to me is after we did that, why are we still messing with his program? That should kind of be off limits now. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not actually changing his programming. They're changing the holiday. I mean, he's just going to a holodeck. Okay. That's true, yeah. So let's, like, okay, on the one hand, I'm usually a sucker. Like I said, the data dating people thing or, or when Odo tried to do human-y things. Like, I'm usually a sucker for the outsider character trying to learn about being human. That's fine. Mm. Those are Those are usually good episodes. And this was pretty good. But all it does is make him distracted and bad at his job. Like, it didn't. <laughs> Did he did he gain anything from this or was he just sad? No, well, I mean he learned how to react to a dying child. That's right, something. But, but he already knew that because he has bedside manner programmed into his doctor program. Well, now he's better at it. Now he now if uh, anything should happen to the wee baby Wildman, uh, <laughs> wait, <laughs> who the wee baby Wildman? Thank you. <laughs> or uh, or Harry's baby. Ah. still thinking about that. Anyway. Um, no, I just, I like, I'm trying to honestly suss out how this benefits the doctor because the, the first part where he's a perfect dad, because it's on easy mode, he's just more smug than ever, which doesn't help anything. Nope. And then super hard mode just makes him really sad. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't gain any humanity or any insight from this. It's just, (laughs) it's just distracting. I think the, 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 the fact that he is, has reached a point where he can feel sad for someone, um, that in itself is probably worth okay. something. That's got to be good. That, That's valid. That alone, like the emotions from that alone are enough, I think, to benefit his bedside manner at the very least. Oh, you think that'll make him more compassionate later on because now he's kind of been through it? Yeah. That's, yeah, I think so. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. I just, as it manifested in this episode, all we saw was when he was actually doing doctor stuff, he was super distracted by this video game he's playing. Yeah. No, look, <laughs> that's not what I would call a benefit, but like, no. if the, if a hologram is learning emotions, like that in itself is probably beneficial. Well, particularly a hologram whose job it is to deal with people in difficult life situations. Absolutely. You want that person, that hologram to have a clear understanding of emotions because he's got some complicated shit to, to deal with, with mm. people. So, you know. Plus, you don't have a counselor, so maybe someday he could learn enough about emotions to help there with mental health. That would health be as well. helpful, yes. Yeah. Oh, Al, I have bad news. Um, they do have a counselor. Guess what? He's in the kitchen. Uh, no, the tell- morale officer is not the counselor. Tell me about your emotions. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Still don't <laughs> oh. agree with your good thing from last week. Still. Oh no, your crumbling marriage. Just no. Ugh. No, no, no. Although, as Tedra pointed out, Tom actually. Uh, was the one mm-hmm. who uh, who actually stepped up and uh, gave the doctor some advice. Yeah, it was and very it was nice, but good. it made no sense to me. I'm like, why isn't Cass having this conversation with him? That's she was she was our question. forum through the ep- throughout the entire episode. Though. Yeah, but it feels like she should have been the one, you know, as the one who is friends with the doctor and has been watching all of this happen. Yeah, 
that's fair. I think it was a clumsy attempt to tie the two stories together, but mm. on the other hand, I don't know. I it didn't bother me. Nah, it didn't feel out of character, and it was like another step toward making him not terrible. Yep. I, I don't know. I don't think well. they're sliding in slow enough with this with this, um, you know, improve Tom Paris improvement because I'm still going ew, not him. <laughs> Well, well, yes, we but now, and now it's now it's just you know a gut reaction. Exactly, yeah. it's, like, it's like seeing a spider or something. Ah, Tom Paris, ew. Yeah, but you <laughs> got to step back and try to be fair and say, okay, that's not a venomous spider. Maybe, maybe this is okay. No spiders are allowed in my house. Is it poisonous or venomous? One, one is. I don't remember. It's venomous because it, it's only poisonous if you eat the spider and it right, kills you. Right, right, right. It's right. venomous venom, if it bites you and it kills you. Correct. I don't okay. like to eat spiders. No, nor I, should you. I don't either, but, you know, if I'm trapped in a cellar and that's all there is, then you well, know, yeah. I have to eat a spider. Oh, or if you're trying to finally defeat Spider-Man and you have to eat great handfuls of spiders before you finally kill and then replace him, then it's probably a good idea to eat spiders. Or if you're Dracula's henchman. Yes, that's good, too. No, but those were flies, weren't they? No, you, no, you, you moved, moved up, up to spiders. Yeah. Although, I you, guess if you eat a spider, it's full of flies. No, his, exactly. Kind of cutting yeah. out the middleman there. That's true. No, his whole deal was he was working up to people. Ah, I see. Um, what was I going to say? I don't, I don't know. know. It doesn't matter. Oh, Tom Paris. Like, we were talking about this in our, like, our, our pre-show uh, uh, screening. And it's like, okay, Tom, let's, we, we've all agreed from day one. He's kind of a douchebag. He's kind of a, just a full-on, like, aggressive alpha male. Like, hey, baby, you want to be with me, don't you? Which is, we all hate. But a Klingon chick who's into culturally appropriate Klingon stuff probably would like that. Mm. And it kind of makes sense that... He's a bit aggressive, and she likes that. But I also feel like once they get in bed, he's going to be terrified. <laughs> once they get into bed, he's, she's going to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, that's that. Like she's going to expect him to follow through on all those like alpha male stuff, and he's going to be gentle. And she's going, "What the fuck is this?" And then, uh, like, bite you know, bite a chunk out of his cheek or something. Yep, <laughs> my face. Yep, my beautiful face. Hey, is somebody saying, "Oh no, my body part," because that's my shtick. Hello, I'm Neelix. You may remember me from every episode of this fucking show. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, like, the, the flirting in general with them, like, mm-hmm. it was kind of out of nowhere, but I I liked it, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. Yeah, he was, al- he, he was almost very charming. He Yeah. He did this thing where he grabbed her book when she, when she was obviously did not want to see him to see what she was reading, which is really rude and you shouldn't do it. But she didn't That's seem to mind. That's a shit move and we all agree with that. But yeah, because it's her. Yeah. And because I feel like she's kind of putting out signals that say, go ahead and be a little aggressive. Mm. Yeah, you like, can't. I guess that's okay. But, it doesn't yeah. work. You can't just say, hey, dude, be aggressive because it just ruins no. it. Yeah. No, but I think she's okay with that kind of behavior is what I'm saying. Yeah. We, we none of us would be. No. no. And Matt has talked before about being on public transit in particular and reading and people like, hey, what are you reading? No, Can you let me imagine see your it. friend coming up and like grabbing your Kindle to see what you're reading? No. No. Be really anno- I'd be really mad. Yeah. Don't do that. Uh, let's talk about her choice of reading, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> She's into like super trashy Klingon romance novels, which I I feel like is in character. And, and one or both of you disagreed. I don't remember. It, it, it was me. I... I totally agree with her reading trashy romance novels. Uh, Klingon trashy romance novels kind of surprised me because I always feel like she's trying to get away from that heritage. I I don't know. She said before that she's not ashamed of it. She doesn't feel in touch with it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, like, we've never seen her have any interest in, like, you know, Klingon stuff. See, putting aside my huge crush on Susie Plaxon, which is an ongoing thing that I will always have, Mm -hmm. um... 
looking up at a, uh, a next gen card with a picture of Kalar on it as we speak. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I, I, I often find myself confusing her and Balana because they're half Klingons, and mm-hmm. like I keep projecting stuff Kalar said onto Balana that might not be true. Like, has Balana specifically said she rejects her Klingon heritage? Well, she felt like she didn't belong to either, really. Mm. Right. So she but just has this no... feeling of not belonging. But it's not that same attitude that Kalar had, which is I don't believe in this Klingon crap. I was just born this way, but I don't I don't buy into it. Like, yeah, it I don't think be... that. I but do I... know. Oh, go ahead. I do know that we haven't seen a whole lot of her practicing Kling. Like she doesn't she doesn't practice the Klingon religion. She doesn't do any of that crap that Worf is interested in. So at the very least, she doesn't have an it. Like even if she doesn't hate Klingon stuff, she doesn't have an she doesn't she has no interest in it. I just don't think she's a self hating Klingon the way Kalar was. Is all I'm saying. No, that's and she's fair. not a she's not a big overcompensating poser like Worf was. <laughs> she's a casual Klingon. No oh, man, Worf was the worst. He so was. I we, we haven't talked about Worf in a while, and now today we're talking about Worf a lot. He's yeah. terrible. <laughs> I know, but he was deliberately written and played as a terrible person, and it was done very well. Yep. It's not like, uh, you know, characters that are poorly defined. Like, he was supposed to be bad. Yep. I like that. But I just, like, she's just casual. She's not super, like, we meet so many representatives of alien cultures that are so into their stuff. She could just be one that's kind of into her stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah, I'm a Klingon. I, I celebrate Day of Honor or whatever, but I'm not, like, I don't go to church. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yep. She's just kind of into it. Yeah, she's only there for Easter and Christmas. Oh, God. <laughs> Look, if there's no Klingon version of the Krampus, then uh, what are we even doing? Oh, man, there's a visual I like. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody draw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tidro, what was your bad thing? Oh, the, the entire beep beep plot was just utterly forgettable. Just the, 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 the eddies. astral eddies. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was just really stupid there was no result like uh yep. so dumb mm-hmm. yep boring and stupid it's that typical star trek thing of we have a nice sort of sort of quiet low stakes character thing happening so we better throw in some sci-fi action adventure too let's have let's have tom paris drive a shuttlecraft through a hole that'll be exciting uh, and some and some smoke in space really take away from that all that uh, that drama that everyone's so interested in well, they say, like, when you read about this stuff in Memory Alpha, the quotes always say action-adventure. Like, they want more action-adventure, and that just mm. seems like code for boring. Boring and stupid. Yeah, kind of boring and stupid. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Anything else? Mm, no. Uh, the little girl that played Belle was also the little girl from Janeway's Hollow Novel. Oh. Was she British in that? I don't think so. I remember them being British because it was like Victorian, but I yeah. could be remembering wrong. It's the same girl, though. But I'm just, I'm, what I'm saying is, yeah. is this eight-year-old, or probably it's Hollywood, she's like 20, but you know, <laughs> is is this child actor capable of doing an English accent and an American accent? Because that's extra impressive. It would be. I don't remember her, like, barely at all, so. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. That was a, that was a thing they did twice and completely forgot about. But yeah, that is cool. Yeah. And you, you actually pointed out that the uh, his, uh, the doctor's wife. Yes, she was the hot neighbor lady in The Burbs, mm-hmm. mm. which is one of my favorite movies. So. Which you brought up, I don't know, 40 times? At least times? 40. It's really two, thumbs up from, two thumbs up from Tidro for The Burbs. Yes. Wasn't that made by Joe Dante? Yeah. I, maybe I should see it then because I'm a big fan of his. I, I, I kind of want to go back and watch it now because I, I don't know if it holds up at all, but I really did yeah. like that movie. 
I, I, watch- I am a fan of pretty much anything Joe Dante does. Also, that probably means Robert Ricardo's in it somewhere. Uh, probably, yeah. He, uh, I watched it a couple of years ago. It's pretty good. Not great, um, but pretty good. It was worth it the. Bit, it was worth the time I watched it. So yeah, that's that's pretty much all I expect. Mm-hmm. So, uh, any any further business? Anything you just dying to say about this episode? Either of you? Nah. If you don't talk to your kids, can't you? Bleh. If you don't, if you talk, don't talk to your, to your kids, kids, if you don't talk to your kids about Klingon ritual violence, someone else will. <laughs> they'll learn it on the street where people are getting stabbed. I learned it from you, Dad. No, you most certainly did not. <laughs> now I want to see him with the hair that he had in the last episode and the sweet porn stash that the I learned it from watching you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I just want to see him as Hall or Oats, whichever one that guy was. You just want to see him hauling some oats. Yeah. That's about right. Anyway, so mm-hmm. oh, you got a you got a quote for us, Tidro? Uh The quote is just um, basically the doctor being pissy at Tom Paris. Your hard head has protected you again, Lieutenant. All right. Well, that's that's always you know. Oh yeah. Welcome. <laughs> always good. Mm-hmm. So uh, another another fine appearance by you, as as Matt would call you, Terrence. Yeah, sure that's my name. Why. Yeah. Apparently that's your name. I, I, it's Tidro as far as I'm concerned. Would you, <laughs> would you like to plug your fine wares to our listeners? Yes, you may buy uh, soap and horns, including Star Trek soap, at mm. my Etsy shop at www.bunnybubbles.etsy.com. And I know I don't have to say the www. You might confuse people if you don't also say HTTP slash colon slash slash. <laughs> It, yes, there is that. Just World go to, wi- worldwide web. Dot. <laughs> go to Yahoo and type in Google. And go to then, Ask Jeeves. <laughs> have your, Look her up on Alta Vista. Yeah, have your have your kid Google this for you. <laughs> but not your Klingon kid. No, no Jesus. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Not. You got to send them the like scared straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if Kirk were still alive, he would absolutely do the anti-Klingon scared straight program. <laughs> so racist. Yeah, I know. He was a racist dude. They did a whole movie about that. I yeah. All right. So that's all for this week. Uh, as I say, uh, posttraumacore.com, we will post uh, links to pictures from our live show and from that whole weekend, uh, us in Star Trek uniforms. The reveal of me turning the picture that Vishal did of Neelix around and Matt's reaction. Amanda snapped all these fantastic pictures and she got two or three pictures in a row of just Matt's face. Mm. And Matt made some great faces, but Amanda captured them perfectly and is just it's it's an utter delight and it's a nice visual uh companion to uh the the audio show. So uh check that out. Uh-huh. Also I'll put a link to uh I posted a couple of the sketches we did from our from our live panel, which turned out pretty well I thought. So check those out. And next week, our pal Irish Gav will be here to discuss a very unconventional episode. Mm-hmm. So, looking forward to that. Me too. Uh, Tidro, nod your head to show if you enjoyed being on the show. Nod, nod, nod. All right. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.